Welcome to our Ion Investments podcast today. I think we have a pretty good topic, uh, one that comes up often through my clients and family members, actually. There seems to be a lot of confusion around this topic. It's a basic topic, but it's an important topic. Uh, my name is Patrick Woodhouse, a financial advisor with Infinex Investments. I'm sitting here with Rich Labriola, also with Infinex Investments. Yeah, we thought we would talk about this. This is uh, probably not going to be a very long podcast today, but we thought we would kind of go over the you know, some of the myths about it, uh, maybe debunk some of those myths, talk about sort of what the college landscape looks like from a cost standpoint, and really just clean up some of the misconceptions, I think. For Rich and I, we both have young kids. I have one that's only two and a half months old at this point. So this is something that is actually near and dear to the heart right now as we're looking into those types of things. So we figured, you know what, there's probably a lot of people out there with young kids and I'm sure they love their kids. And uh, and they're wondering, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is this a good thing or is this a silly thing to do? So let's uh, let's dive in a little bit. Let's uh, just start with like defining what it is. Yes, a 529 account is uh, is an account mainly used to save for college expenses. And uh, generally, the contributions to the account are are not tax deductible. But the main advantage of the account is that it grows tax deferred. So if you were saving for your kid's college in a, in a brokerage account, or you had investments or in a savings account, uh, that money would be generally tax any growth. But you put the money in the 529 account, and that grows tax deferred. Uh, so no tax taxes on the growth of your account, and as long as you use it for a qualified expense or educational expense, such as college, uh, when you need to take the money out, the distribution is tax-free. Yeah. So it's going to function really like a tax-deferred account, meaning you're not going to pay taxes on any growth that you receive in a current year. Now, uh, the, the key with it is as it grows, you want to open these typically when, when you know, they're typically meant for younger adults that are or even babies. I mean, there's really no stipulation. You can be older and open these too. But for the most part, young folks open them when they have their children. So, um, And the thing is, it should grow tax-deferred for many years, and hopefully you get some good gains in there. And we can talk about how that, uh, you know, the different vehicles that you can put it into to get those gains uh, a little bit later in the podcast. But and then at the end, when you get to college, the beauty of it is it's tax free. You don't have to pay anything. Right. 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 As, as long as it's a qualified education expense, which typically, you know, college um, and we'll talk about some other things, books, laptops, things like that right. will be covered. But I mean, I mean, this is an important thing because we got to think about what does college cost? Right. I mean, where, where are we at today? You know, what, what's a one year? I'm going to college. It's 2020. You know, my little guy finally grew up and I'm like, all right, off to college. What do I have to? What's my check? I'm just going to write a check. What is it, it going to be? It's expensive. Recently, college costs has actually been gone, gone down a little bit by, by 5%. And I don't know if that has anything to do with COVID or anything like that. And, and kids going uh, more remote learning. But college year over year has is, is, is increased by 8%. 8%. And Pat, I think we have some stats from the U.S. News and World Report on, on college costs. They're saying that in a private institution, right? You go to private college, maybe not a state school. Right. right? For four years, it would be about one hundred forty thousand right. dollars, or thirty five thousand a year, approximately. Yep. Right. These are approximate numbers. But let's say, hey, listen, I don't go to a private college. Maybe I go to a public school. We're talking around twenty one thousand, uh, approximately dollars a year that you'd have to pay per uh, per student, which shoots it up to what? What's that number? If you multiply that by four, right? We're looking at eighty five thousand. Yep. That gets up there pretty quick. And the national average for in-state schools is about $10,000 a year or about $40,000 for four years. Yep. Okay. So uh, there's some just general stats. And this is from 2020, right? This information, uh, I believe, 2020, 2021, actually. It's yep. This is brand new information. So this is, applies to this year as well as kind of where we were last year, uh, according to U.S. Newsweek. So um, It's a big amount. It's a lot of money. 
it's a lot of coin, as they say. And you know? if you're if you're a kid, I mean, you're not you don't have tens right. of thousands of dollars laying around. So it's up to the parents really to save their family. And what we don't want to see, and I've seen this happen before in my own clients, they um, they go, okay, listen, they have the best intentions to save. Maybe the kids, they're not sure if the kids are going to go to college or or whatever, or, they, or they're going to save and they just never get around to it. So they start late and it doesn't build as, as effectively as it possibly could. Mm-hmm. Or they don't start at all because life is life and things happen, right? Things happen to all of us. Kids get to college age. Now the parents are freaking out. What do I do? I, I don't want to strap my children with this crazy amount of debt. When they get out of school, you don't know what they're going to, you know, kind of job they're going to have, how much they're going to get. So what do some parents do? Some parents will go into their 401ks. So they'll go into their savings. They'll go into other uh, monies that weren't really, well, that weren't really set aside or, or allocated for this type of thing. And in some cases, if it's a 401k or IRA money, you know, they're taking penalties uh, in some cases to pay for this. And, and, and more importantly, they're taking money from their retirement, right? So to pay for the kids' education now, and uh, it's a noble thing and, and that's okay to do. But, you know, we don't want, we're trying to basically not hurt the parent, right? We still want you to retire and have a good time, but still have uh, some money set aside for the kids. And that's where these 529s, I think, uh, become a little more powerful. Maybe to get ahead of it so you're not feeling guilty and tapping your retirement accounts. Mm -hmm. Also want to just talk about the flexibility of the 529s. You don't have to feel as though you have to pay all, you have to save as the parent or whoever, whoever it is saving this money to cover the entire cost. 529 started a very low amount of money. You can start, I think, in most places at 25 bucks. Yeah, we'll month. get it off the ground. And a little bit can turn into a lot of it. And even if it doesn't cover tuition for the entire four years or even a year, it can help cover other things. And we're going to get into that with the myths. So it's always good to have a little pot of money set aside. It comes in handy. My parents didn't have a lot of money to give to me when I was going through it, but they had a little bit and it covered books, it covered some computers, it covered things that I wasn't good, that I didn't have to worry about. So I could kind of just cover the, you know, the tuition costs. But right. okay. Yeah. So today we wanted to talk about some, some myths or some conf- confusing points around 529 plans. And I think probably the the biggest one to start is the fact that every state has its own state-sponsored plan. This is a great one, right? And uh, using the Connecticut as as an example, and a lot of states have about, I think I looked it up to about 35 states, have some tax benefits if you go with the state-sponsored plan. So yeah, let's pause there for a second. That's really important. You don't have to use your own state plan. I, I think I, where Rich was about to go with that. But if you do have a tax um, you know, break that you can get in your state, you, you should truly probably look at that plan to use if it's going to help you from an in-state uh, local tax uh, benefit kind of thing. Uh, like in Connecticut, for instance, we can deduct up to a maximum of $10,000 for married. For, for married, right? Yeah. For a married couple or 5000 if you're single yeah. um, on our state income tax. And we all hate paying taxes in the states. There's almost, I know in Connecticut, there's always no, no deductibles ever. So that is one deductible that we can apply, which is cool. So for us, when I'm looking at it for my children, I'm like, okay, well, this that's a good incentive to me. I'm going to probably stay in Connecticut. Right. But again, not all states have that. So yeah. So, you, so to pass point, you don't have to stay in the state that is the five to nine plan that your state is sponsoring. But if you're getting a tax deduction out of it, it might be a good idea to to start with that. And I mean, you could do multiple states, but you're not stuck to that state. I guess is what we're trying to say. And there's, I had somebody reach out to me. Across the country, their state didn't have a, a, a tax deduction. You know, so I'm like, you you can essentially pick any state sponsored plan. Right. You could pick, I don't know, 
I'll pick a trivial state. You go to Arkansas State, right? right. Arkansas five twenty nine. What? I don't even live in Arkansas. Why would I do it? Well, maybe because in Arkansas they have their five twenty nine plan has better investment options. Because as we'll we'll talk about in a minute, you actually have to invest the money, and not all the not all plans have the same stuff in it. So you may like what the Arkansas plan has over you know your current state plan, and you can certainly use that. Doesn't mean you have to go to school in Arkansas. You can go to school the five you know the way five twenty nines work. You can go to school anywhere. So another myth that or question that comes up is if my child doesn't go to college, do I lose the money in the account? Right. That's a good question. Right. Okay, man, we have this account. It's sitting there. It's earmarked specifically. What happens? You know, now, you know, he joined the army. He's not going to college. So like, what do I do with that money? Yeah. So I I mean, there's some options. You you can take it out. You can absolutely take it out. So one option could be, hey, listen, you know what? Maybe you only had that one child. You don't have another kid. And you said, hey, listen, I'm just going to take it out. Right. So what happens then if if we take it out? So there's only... I say only because it could be worse, but there's only a 10% penalty on the earnings. On the earnings. Not, not the actual dollar amount. Okay. So let's, that you let's put in. Yeah, let's jump into that a little bit. So that basically means you put in a thousand bucks. It grew to one thousand bucks for easy, you know, easy math here. You your child or whoever decides college isn't for them, they're gonna go do something else. You decide to just take a withdrawal out of it. They're not gonna the 10% penalty, and it's a 10% penalty, right? Yeah, it would be a 10% penalty, and you would have taxable income on any of the gains in the account. Kind of sort of like what if you take an early withdrawal of an IRA or a retirement plan, yep. kind of the same penalties. Um, but with the 529, they're only going to, as Rich was stating, uh, charge those penalties and, and charge you income on the growth. So the first thousand bucks that you put in, you've already paid taxes on. That you don't have to pay taxes on again, or you will, and you won't be subject to a 10% penalty. That second thousand uh, was the growth in the account. So that would be subject to a 10% penalty, and it would be counted for your income for that tax year. So right. I think that answers that. Um, but not the worst thing the, in the world. Yeah. But, yeah. but you have other options too. Let's say you have another child. You can actually change the beneficiary of that five to nine to that child or other family members. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a, a direct family member, right? If a cousin or you can move it to anybody, can't you? Yeah. If you have more than one child, you can move it among the children and change the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries have to be a qualified family member, which can actually include cousins, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, in-laws. I would definitely double check on, on this. Not often do we see that. But yeah, you have options as long as it's a qualified family member under the 529 rules. Another option, maybe you could save that money for yourself. Save it for a future career change, or maybe you want to save it for college classes in your retirement. You don't have to do anything with that money right then and there if the kid doesn't go to college. And Rich brings up a great point on the structure of the account. So we didn't touch upon this yet. The structure of a 529 account is the it's uh, it's owner-driven, it's parent-driven. So whoever opens the account, it's usually not a minor, right? It's going to be you know a parent of some sort or an adult. They own the account. And then the beneficiary would be the child. So this doesn't report from a reporting standpoint from taxes and such. It doesn't report under... The child, it would report under the owner, which is typically the parent or something. So what that basically means is as a beneficiary, if that person does not want to go to school or has some other plans, you can simply move them out of the plan altogether and you can replace them with somebody else that might be going to school. So so you don't have to, uh, you know, get hit with taking money out and paying a, a penalty and taxes and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So here's another. What happens if my kid... Or my child gets a scholarship, they get a free ride, mm. they're super athletic, they're, mm. they're, they're just smart, top of their class, yeah, they yeah, get a scholarship. 
And yeah, like I'm, I'm going to have this problem with both my kids because I know they're just going to be rock stars. On <laughs> what, yeah. what happens? I mean, so that 10% penalty actually will go away in proportion to the scholarship, which is kind of cool. So students could actually avoid the 10% penalty on, on non-qualified withdrawals up to the tax-free scholarship amount. So again, kind of talking to the flexibility, if your kid isn't, if, you're, if your child gets a scholarship, that 10% penalty will be waived, which so is kind of cool. That's pretty cool. So they'll waive it. They get the, so the, it doesn't it doesn't negatively impact them, basically. So you can take the money out, is what you're saying. And there's yep. no 10% no, penalty. No penalty. Still, still taxes. Still, well, here's the thing. It, now it's, it's it was growing tax-free the whole time. Right. Tax-deferred. And now you're only taking it out. You, you don't have that 10% penalty. And you just have to pay income taxes yeah, on it. Which is normal, by the way. That which would be is awesome. You, yeah, which is uh, awesome. I, I mean. Yeah, that works out. That's so that, that's another great thing if your child's a scholarship. Yep. Uh, another big one, I think, impacting financial aid. Right. I think that's a huge one, right? I get this all the time. Well, if I open this, you know, 529 for my son or daughter or whatever, how is this going to negatively impact my financial aid if we have to apply, which most people do? Right. And to answer that question, it's very minimal. All right. The benefits of a five to nine account between the tax-free growth and the, t- the tax treatment coming out for, for qualified educational expenses far outweigh the impact it has on the FAFSA form for, for uh, financial education. So typically 20% of a student's assets are considered available to pay for, for college. So if they just had regular assets, it would be a 20% weighting uh, to count against you. But if it's in a five to nine plan, less than 6% of those assets are accounted for against the aid package. So, so to say that again, money saved in a 529 plan is considered a parental asset if, it's, if, the, if the parent owns it, which means the student aid package would only be reduced up to about 5.64% of the account value rather than 20%. Right. Again, and that's how most of these 529s are used. Uh, some people use them in different ways, but it's usually the parent is the owner of the account. That's also a good thing. That means that your your child can't just go, hey, when they turn 20, go, hey, give me that 529 money. I'm going to go buy a new car, right? They can't do that. You have control. So there's some good stuff there. And at, to Rich's point, it doesn't negatively impact the aid packages to the degree that it wouldn't make sense to have one. Right. So what, what other questions we get? 529 plans, what else can they pay for for college? Right. Oh, this is another great one, right? All right. You have tuition. That's the, like the most obvious one. But okay, what what would happen if you say, well, okay, tuition's fine, but what about other other things? Can it help support? Can, can I buy a computer? Uh, can I buy um, books and, you know, supporting, you know, supporting stuff that you need for, for education? Maybe that'd be notebooks or, your, you know, your school books, right? School books are expensive. You know, you're, you enroll into a class and they... And your teacher says you got to buy a three hundred dollar book. Can you use that five point nine money for that? And what do we find, Rich? Basically, yeah, you could actually use it for a lot of things. You could use it for housing if you're a full time student. Uh, you can even use it for off campus housing. You could pay for campus meals. You could pay for books and supplies if te- any technology is required by the college or university or school. You could actually that would also count as a qualified expense. So it's like a computer you're talking about, right? right computers. So so basically, I don't know a college that a computer would be uh, something that's not a necessity. I think most of them, it's it's you need a computer to operate right. in today's world. So you could usually you could actually use some of these five twenty nine uh, account money yep. and go out to you know wherever Best Buy, some store, and you can buy the computer, and that's an that's an okay expense. Yeah. So I would definitely again, if you're saving for a young one right now, eighteen years from now. I'm sure, you know, qualified expenses can change, but, sure. you know, always check with the qualified expenses. At least right now, they're right. very flexible. Yeah. So, um, and so, another one real quick 
new thing that that came out of uh, 2018, or at least the, the Secure Act, is that you could also use 529 plans to pay for loan student loan payments. Okay, so this is really cool, right? Uh, this is a new thing, the Secure Act that came out in 2018, still effective. Right. Nothing changed there. Uh, you can actually use some of these if you're out of school and you still have a balance left over or what have you. However, you can use those 529 or maybe you only went to school for you didn't do the four years. Right. You did two years or whatever happened. Right. Um, you can use 529 funds to pay your loan back. That is amazing. OK. Yeah. Also, uh, another another interesting fact that I think most folks don't realize 529 plans are not just designed for. Um, higher education from the standpoint of colleges. You can also use them in secondary uh, private schools. And there might be a few other exceptions. There yeah. Too. So surprise, you could actually use 529 plans thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, in, which was signed into law in 2018. You could actually use 529 money for elementary and um, basically K through 12 education. Yep. Um, up to $10,000 per student. Okay. Which is kind of neat. So maybe maybe a child's going through some private school and it, and there's some tuition. Now you could actually use some of that money for for that for those expenses. Yeah, not all of it. It doesn't sound like, but a portion. Of it. Right, yeah. a portion of it. So obviously, you know, double check the rules and check. It seems like every check. year. <laughs> obviously, every year it keeps. It seems like you know the the use for the five to nine plan keeps getting more and more flexible, mm-hmm. and every given year it can change. But always check with the, the tax laws at that time. But as right now. It's a, it's a great opportunity to, to use yeah. 529 plans for any uh, education for any given year for your child. I think most folks wouldn't realize that. I, I think when you think of 529s, you, you're in college, it's college savings. So you don't think you could use it for, um, you know, uh, private schools or under, you know, high school level type stuff. But you can to a point. So you'd have to do a little bit more research there. But it is it is something you can take advantage of if you wish to. Do we have some other myths or questions? Yeah, that- and this, this might not apply to everybody, but there's actually no income limits for contributing to a five to nine account. So okay. you can be making some really good money and there's no limitations for how much you, uh, at least there's no income limitations. That's really cool, right? So if you're making a lot of money, it doesn't matter. They're right. not going to phase you out. You, you can know? still contribute to a five to nine account. Yep. So that's good. So there's no income limitation. So know that anybody can start one. Uh, we talked about this a little earlier in the podcast. It's a very, uh, it, it can you can start with whatever you want. You want to put thousands of dollars in to start it off? Great. You want to put 25 bucks in just to get it off the, you know, off the ground? That's fine. They'll open it with that. And you could even put 25 bucks in and set it up so that you're doing uh, systematic contributions on a monthly or sometimes weekly basis to try to build a balance in there. And you can do that with any amount you put in, by the way. If you put in 10 grand, you can still set it up so your paycheck is going in. You have a birthday party, for instance. I've seen this happen. The the child's three and uh, obviously doesn't have need for the money. Uh, You can take that. You can put the money into the um, into the 529. And that depending on the state could be a write off for you in Connecticut. That would that would be a write off for the person that was giving that. So, yeah. So, so Pat, would you say a five to nine account is a good I would savings say vehicle? It's a great savings vehicle. It's out of your, and one of the main reasons besides the fact that uh, you got the growth potential, you got the tax-free nature, that alone makes it an amazing vehicle. Um, but it also uh, gets the money out of your account. It's out of sight. It's out of mind, right? When you start to fund it, you know, you when I know for me, from a personal standpoint, when the money's in there, I forget it's even there. You know what I mean? I get the statements and look at it, but it's not like I'm physically... Uh, taking money out and putting it in there, or it's part of my overall accounts. So I'm like, oh, I could use a little extra money today and I grab it out of the 529, right? So that's good. You're really saving and and it truly grows. This comes back to, if if we're going to talk about 529s, how they're traditionally used with young young folks, 
Um, you got you got time. Time is the best. Again, I've said this before in other podcasts. You've got this money can grow. And we're going to talk about the options and how that works and how the money grows, because that's usually another question that we get. But basically, assume that you know, if you opened it when the child is, you know, just born, say. And, and by the way, you can open 529s even before the child's born if you wanted to try to start to save. Some people do this, by the way. Um, they just put a, benefit, a different beneficiary in. Yeah, I guess you know? that's a great idea. So um, I've, I've had that happen, too, where someone's like, OK, well, what would happen if I want to start saving now? We're going to have a you know, pregnant you know, or I'm going to have a kid next year. You can open the 529 because remember, it's 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 uh, owner driven. It's it's parent driven. So you could open it. You could put your wife as the or anybody as the beneficiary. And when the child is born, has a social security number and all that good stuff, you can switch them out. And now you've already kind of started accumulating some assets. A lot of flexibility. A lot of flexibility. Um, but anyway, back to my original point, a lot of time. You've got maybe 18 years, 17, 18 years, right? It's, I don't know, the average time probably to get through it. That's a long time to grow money and even a little bit of money uh, with uh, compounding and building can, can really turn into a lot, right? So, right. but how do we do that, right? It's a 529. What is that? Okay, we got we got the structure down. But what's in it? What How's it grow? Is there a fixed interest rate in there? I mean, what, what the heck's going on, right? Yeah, usually with a plan, there's a lot of kind of like your 401k at work. You get a set menu of options. And I think a lot of state-sponsored plans work the same way. And a lot of folks like to lean towards the age-based models. Yeah. And as the child gets older, it will automatically become less risky. Right, right. So, so it, you know, the, the value becomes more and more stable and there's a lot less fluctuation. But perfect. at least when the child is younger, you can take more risk. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's just for sake of example, a portfolio of 100% stocks. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, it becomes more, you know, maybe more uh, like bonds and more fixed assets. Yeah, they more get more conservative, conservative as it goes. And so you, at you, least as you get to college, it's yeah. not... You know, you don't have a 40% drop right, in your right. 5 to 9 yeah. account. Yeah, so you can set them up in these age-based bands. So for those of you that don't have 401ks, aren't familiar with this, uh, these are mutual funds is what we're talking about here. That's what they That's what they predominantly are. That's how you can't buy individual stocks. Uh, when you open a 529, there's a, there's a menu of investment options in there that you can pick from. That's it. You can't add in other things. You can't go, oh, but I want to buy Apple stock in it. It's not a brokerage account. It's already predetermined. The 529s act as a fiduciary. They have to have good stuff in there. They have to have uh, growth vehicles, but good growth vehicles. They got to have safe stuff. So there's a, a pretty robust kind of selection of stuff in there. But if you kind of are that type that your hands off, you can literally do what uh, Richards was talking about, which is essentially uh, an age banded approach, which basically it gets it's a great it's all stocks, 100 percent stocks from the child zero to five, something like that. And then from five to eight, maybe there's a little bit more you know, bonds in there to kind of take some of the, uh, the risk off the table. And then from eight to 12, it gets a little bit more. Maybe it's more moderate. Right. Maybe like half stocks, half bonds. And then as they get up into the later teens, it really gets down to maybe a 20% equity and 80% bonds. So the money, they understand, these 529 companies understand the money's there for a reason. It's there to be used, and especially at that time. So they will set that up so the money is, uh, you know, in a safe in a safe mm -hmm. spot by that point. So, so that's one thing. But there are other options. So it, it kind of has both the best worlds. So you're like, oh, okay, that's great, but... I want to do it myself. I think I can build a portfolio, right? You can go in there. They have, most of them have, you know, the S&P 500 index or other types of investments in there that you can choose from and you can build your own portfolio and, and make changes and stuff like that. Right. And one last thing I want to mention for, for funding purposes is check if your state has any scholarships. Yeah. For for the state of Connecticut, just using, because, you know, our home state here, 
if your child's under one years old, there's you got actually, the baby, you got the baby scholarship. Yeah, there's yeah, the baby really scholarship. Good. You can get up to two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, from the state, and I think there's some other scholarships too. But for those out of state listeners, check with your state has maybe some other benefits such as scholarships that you can get now to help fund that account. Yeah, and you always want to check with the state plan first. I mean, I think that's probably the the, the biggest takeaway. See what it looks like. See if it's good. See if you get tax breaks. Uh, see if they have matching. You know, if you put the two hundred and something buck, you know, if you put a hundred bucks in, they give you two fifty. That's great. Get free money if that's the case. That's definitely where you should start. And keep in mind when you're when you're when you get started and you're off the ground, it doesn't matter how much you have to put in. People think you got to put thousands of bucks in. If you have it, great. You know, you start with whatever you can afford and you can you can adjust these figures too. So let's wrap this up. These were a lot of the <laughs> concerns or uh, myths or just misconceptions about 529. Some of the major, ones, the major right? ones. And we didn't cover everything, which is why, you know, maybe you should sit down with a financial advisor. There's some other distribution strategies, maybe some we can help crunch the calculation of how much you want to put in on a monthly basis. There's other issues such as uh, special needs. If your child has special needs, there's some other options. And 529... Accounts aren't the only savings vehicles, but uh, typically they're, they're, it's uh, it's your best option in, in most scenarios. But definitely sit down with an advisor and kind of run through your different scenarios. Yeah, do, and do what you can. I mean, there's a lot of other strategies as you get closer to college. Uh, a child in high school could take AP classes. Yeah. And that helps pay for college. I mean, I had a job in college that helped me pay for room and board. I had a job in college too, and helped me pay for a car. Didn't help with the college thing. Still had a lot of debt. Should have right. done. So, did your, so it's your, not all. It's not all on the parents. <laughs> parents can help, but at the end of the day, yeah. there's different things you can do to help reduce yeah. the cost. I think to a degree, uh, and this is just my own opinion, but I, I think to have the kids have a little skin in the game is kind of good too. It shows them responsibility, and, and it shows them the power of what money is, and and sort of what, how interest rates work, and you know how it works doesn't mean you don't you don't want to flood them that way but you know little skin in the game i think goes a long way but that's just my two cents so but anyway we just wanted to kind of go over uh what i thought we get a lot of questions believe it or not from all types of people sophisticated and not i mean this is a really pretty popular topic with people and people get confused and i think they don't know what to do and a lot of times they don't do anything because they just don't understand it and there's so much literature they get overwhelmed so we we were hoping to give you sort of the cliff notes on the whole thing. And I think we probably did that. So. Yeah. So anyways, thank you so much for listening. Find us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, our website, ion-investments.com and catch you next time. Yeah. So. Appreciate it. And if you um, do like this podcast and you're getting some information out of it, if you could please give us like a five-star rating on whatever uh, venue you're on, whether that be Spotify or Apple or whatever streaming service you're using, believe it or not, it really does help as uh, we're trying to kind of build this out. So, um, but um, we do appreciate you listening. Thank you much. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Just a quick disclosure. All speakers on this podcast are financial advisors with Infinex Investments. Investment and insurance products and services are offered through Infinex Investments, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. Ion Investments is a trade name of Ion Bank. Infinex and the bank are not affiliated. Products and services made available to Infinex are not insured by the FDIC or any other agency of the United States and are not deposits or obligations of nor guaranteed or insured by any bank or bank affiliate. These products are subject to investment risk, including the possible loss of value. 